Praise God. So as I, uh, as I was starting here, um, with all that's going on in the world today, it is so important for us as Christians to make sure we understand who we follow and who we're listening to. And, you know, you'll hear so many platitudes and things coming from so many different people that sometimes it's like, who do I believe? Or the bottom line is, who do you believe? Do you believe man or God? Who do you believe, man or God? And that's the title of today's message. If you have a new car and something goes wrong with it, who do you consult? You know, do you go to the manufacturer's manual or, or do you go to someone else that you find on the street and ask them, Jesus, I have this thing going on with my car. Uh, you know, who, who, who should I talk to? The manufacturer obviously has a manual that tells you how to operate the car. Well, when God speaks to you and tells you what to do, who do you believe, God or man? God will often put a thought, a feeling, or may put something to do before you as an act that you need to carry out. How do you respond? Do you do what God is telling you to do or do you believe what man is telling you, you know, to do, you know? So many times as a child of God, um, I've stated to people in response to a problem or what have you, that this is what I feel I'm being led to do and this is what God has told me to do. And they will say, oh, no, 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 not, not at all. You should not do that. What you should do is this. You should go here in that same way you got that email or you got that nasty phone call. You should return the phone call in like manner. You should respond this way. But we as Christians, we cannot do that. We have to do what God tells us to do. Because after all, he is the author, if you will, of of the manual that guides us in life. And so we cannot go by what man tells us to do. But as usual, we can't base things on my opinion of things, of, of the world and so forth. So let's go to the word of God and turn to the book of Numbers. Turn to the book of Numbers. We have to always depend on what scripture is telling us to do. And we're going to look at... Look at some events here where God had, had said what needed to be done. God had said what was indeed done, but then yet still man had his own uh, twist on what God wanted to be done and what the outcome should be. And so as we're looking at these scriptures, let's stop and think about how does this relate to our lives. Because so many times when we read the Bible or others that are, 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 are less, not as well versed in the Bible will say, well, that was, you know, 3,000, 4,000 years ago. How does that apply to me today? Well, if you look at the scriptures and why this one book has has survived all of these centuries and I mean, has been translated into so many so many languages and dialects is because this God this this book was indeed inspired by the Holy Spirit which is God and it is a guidance it's guidance for us in our life today so the same things that happened three four thousand years ago apply to us today because God says that I'm a God I'm the same yesterday today and forever so it doesn't change so in numbers 13 uh, we're going to start with here a, a mission and let's just read through and see what God is telling us through his word here. Numbers 13, verse number, number 1. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, send, send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers, shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. So pausing there for a moment, in, in verse number 2, it says, um, which I give unto the children of Israel. So right there, God said, this is an act, this is something that he did. He, he's telling them that I've given you this 
land. So it's a done deal. You see, so many times when God is telling us that this is what he has done in our lives, we think that it's something that God is yet to do or whatever. In God's mind, when he says that something is done, it is indeed, it's a done deal. Okay? So then it goes on to say in verse number three, And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. And these were the names of the tribe of Reuben. And I'm not going to go through and read all of these, but because, I mean, there's a whole list of, you know, the Zebulon and so on. But, but they sent a man from each tribe. And then in verse number 16, it says, These are the names of the men whom, whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way unto the Negev and go up to the mountains and you see and see the land, what it is, and the people who dwell therein, whether they are strong or weak, few or many. And what the hand and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it is good or bad, and what cities uh, they are that they dwell in, whether in camps or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it is fat or lean, whether there is good therein or not. And be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the of the uh, first ripe grapes. So the men went up and searched the land, the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob, as men come to Hamath, and they ascended by the Negev and came unto Hebron. Hebron, uh, where, where Ahiman, Shehai, uh, Talamath, the children of Anak were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came unto the, unto the brook Eshal and cut down from there a branch with one cluster of grapes and they bore it between two on a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates of the figs. The place uh, was called the brook Eshal because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from there. And they returned from, sent, uh, from searching the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and Aaron and all of the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land to which thou sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Okay, so now, let's just pause there for a moment. I've read through a whole lot. They went to search out this land. God said, I want you to go and search the land that I've given to you. God's mind, it was a done deal. They went and they searched out the land, and now these men are coming back with their report. Okay? Now, let's follow closely here. Um, it, it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. 28. Nevertheless, the people are strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, and by the edge of the Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. So now what we see there in verses number 28 and 29, where they say, Nevertheless, the people are strong that dwelled in the land, and the city are walled, right away they're putting up obstacles for themselves. God said that I'm going to send you to a land to look at it, check it out, that I've given to you. They go up there and right away they start spotting all the obstacles. So many times in our lives when God is telling us to do or there's something new that we are about to, to, to attempt to do or you feel deep in your spirit, deep in your call that this is something I need to do. Many times we stop and we start putting up obstacles for ourselves. We start saying, well, Jesus, I will never be able to overcome this. I I don't have the degree that's required. I don't have the, the, the abilities to do this. I'm missing this and I'm missing that. And we start putting up the, the obstacles. If God has something for you to do in this life, 
If God has a mission, quote-unquote, for you, don't go putting up obstacles for yourself, all of a sudden figuring 9,000 ways why you won't be able to do that. Okay? As we say, see here in Joshua, in, um, in verse number 30, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, he has confidence in God, which is the same way when you have that negative thought pop into your mind, you need to stop and say, Wait a minute now, God is with me. God is going to help me to do this because he said this is what I am, I am going to do. Right? So he says, and he, so he stilled the people. But the men, verse 31, the men that went up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Now here we go again with the negative confession. You know, how many times in our lives, you know, do we have, have something before us, and, and, and while God obviously feels that we're able to do it, but we start concocting the negative ideas. We start bringing in the, in the negative confessions. You see, no one said that they can't do it. God said, I gave you this land, so which is it's a done deal. It's like, it's like God said, I gave you this job or I gave you this house. And then all of a sudden you start putting up a million reasons why you cannot possess the house or why you cannot get that job. You know, I'm unable to do this I, with all sorts of negative confessions. Verse 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land, uh, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And eating up the inhabitants thereof in, this, uh, in, 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 in the Hebrew is really saying that they were fighting. So they saw a lot of war going on and fighting going on among the inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. They're big people. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, who come of the giants. And we were in our own sight, underline in your Bibles, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, so we were in their sight. Now, how do they know how they saw them? You see, but right away they're saying, and we were in in their sight as grasshoppers. So right away they're minimizing their abilities to do anything. They're thinking that these people saw them as grasshoppers. So right away they're saying, gee whiz, I will not be able to succeed. You know? Here I am applying for this job. Or I'm going for this position. Or this thing is going on in my life. And gee whiz, but these people are not going to respect me. You know? These people, they don't like who I am. You know, I'm not strong enough to do this. I'm not strong enough to do that. And so there it is, their own perception of themselves. And this is no confidence. When you don't have confidence like that, you open the door to a spirit of fear. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So the minute you start thinking that way, you're, 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 you're reaping these, you're heaping these negative confessions upon themselves, you know. And even, even business circles will talk about self-fulfilling prophecy. You may be heard in management seminars where something, if you talk about it more and more, it comes to pass. You talk about it more and more, it comes to pass. Well, you keep heaping negative confessions on your own ability, then over time it does exactly that. It starts tearing down your, your perception of yourself, and if there is no um, respect for self or self-will or, or, or respect for the abilities that God has given you, then it makes it, makes it more hard for you to succeed. Okay? So right away they, they make this negative confession. Then in verse number, chapter number 14, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. 
And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would God, or, or would God we had died um, in this wilderness. So they wanted to go back to the way, to the way they were. And isn't it just like human beings? So what do they do? They shoot the messenger. Here Moses is saying, this is what I'd like to do. This is what God is telling us to do. God said that he's already given us that land. They go up there and do this and do this. Uh, um, um, uh, reconnaissance of the land they come back with all these negative reports thinking that they, that they cannot succeed and then they say oh boy oh boy it would have been a whole lot easier if we just went back to Egypt now remember the story here they were in Egypt for what was it, over 400 years in slavery Pharaoh had them building those uh, the, the pyramids and everything else all they had was slime and mortar the people, they were dying left and right they cried out to God God delivered them from, from Pharaoh. Pharaoh came after them and chased them into the, into the desert. They went through the Red Sea. They got their backs to the Red Sea wondering, Oh Lord, oh Lord, we're going to die, we're going to die. Moses parted the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea. They went through it. And here they are again. Were we back in, would we, it would have been better for us to be back in Egypt. So many times when we are Christians, and I don't know about everyone sitting here, but there was a time before I came to the Lord and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I was out there in the world, as many of us were out there in the world. Oh boy, plenty of money, you know, the cars, I mean, you name it. You know, you, you know no restraints. I didn't have to get up Sunday morning and go to church. I, I, I had all of this free time. I could party Saturday night and then sleep all day Sunday or whatever. And life was good, quote unquote. All right? Until the time came where not only me but many other Christians that I know when the, the anvil was dropped and then I said, oh boy, okay, this is not happening anymore. This is not going to work. Lord, come into my life because everything I try to do now all of a sudden is just not working, you know. So at one time where you think that life was sweet and then when you get into the Lord and the God starts showing you, you the way and what you need to do and it presents a little bit of challenge, you see, because now as a Christian the challenge is us believing in God. God and trusting God, you see, and it's a whole lot easier for us. It's a lot easier for us Christians than many would imagine. The, we have one job. We have one job as a Christian. One job. And that job is to believe that God can do His job. Amen? Amen. So you remember that your job is to remember and believe that God can do His job. Okay? You see? But what the devil does, though, the devil comes into our lives and all of a sudden he starts pointing at all of your inadequacies. You know, he pumps into your head, you're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to do that, you know? So then some people would say, oh gosh, this is so difficult. I can't believe that God can do His job. Boy, oh boy, I would have been better off back where I was. I would have been better off before I knew the Lord. This is what they are in essence saying. Okay? Here we we're out and all of a sudden we're being challenged. God is telling us that he gave us this land. But look at that land. There's big people there. You ever see those dudes? They're big dudes. All right. And God wants us to take that land. And look at us. We're nothing but grasshoppers. You see? Oh boy. Wish we were back in Egypt. Wish we, yes, we were being beaten by, by Pharaoh's men. We had to build those pyramids and everything. But we had food. We had this. We had that. So we're, we're, wish we were back there. And of course they blame Moses. When it says they murmured about Moses, they just talked about him behind his back and to his face and gave Gave him a hard time shooting, shooting the messenger. Okay, so here we see now again that they were complaining. One thing about Israel before I move on, I'm, I'm being led to, to dwell us a little bit. They wandered for 40 years in that desert to go a distance that should not have taken them 40 years to go. 
Okay, it should not have taken him that day. I forget the distance, 1,500 miles or something like that. should not have taken him. But it was because of this sin and their disbelief. Two steps forward, 14 steps backward. Okay, every time they saw miracles from God, and what would they do? They would complain as, as soon as they got through. Okay, and, and, that, and that was the way where Israel, Israel was at. They wound up there 40 days in the desert because of the 40. It was one day for each year that they had gone through some other things. And so God said, you're going to wander for 40 years. Um, because of that. And so every single time things got a little bit tough to them, where all they had to do was remember that God knows how to do his job. They wanted to go back to the conditions to where, to where they were. Verse number 3 says, And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Where, were it not better for us to return to Egypt? <laughs> and they said one to another, let us, make a, let us make a captain and let us return unto Egypt. All right, so they wanted to return to the old way. So now all of a sudden they want to get rid of the pastor, so to speak, because they're being challenged. They want to get rid of the leader here and bring in somebody else to take them back to that old sinful hard life. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, uh, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were of them that searched the land, tore their clothes. Okay. Okay, tearing their clothes was an old, during those days, you remember Caiaphas, when he was giving up, he said that he rent his garment. That was an expression of just sheer frustration, you know. Things got so bad, they ripped their clothes. To me, that gets kind of expensive, I think. Every time you get frustrated, you're ripping your clothes up. But that was, that was no, so when you read that in Scripture, that's what's, that's, that is showing that this was extreme frustration for them. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation children of Israel, and Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were of them, uh, who were of them that searched the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which you pass through to search it is a very good land. Okay, now, Caleb and Joshua, remember the names. These are the only two who are standing against this crowd. Okay? You have all of these people who are crying out, I want to go back to, to uh, Egypt, down with Moses, you know, you know let, let, let's uh, uh, what is, impeach him, <laughs> let's impeach him, down with Moses, we want to go back to Egypt. Only two of them, Caleb and Joshua, were standing ground. If the Lord delight in us, verse, verse 8, if the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not you against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Underline, the Lord is with us, fear them not. Okay? So they're coming back and they're reminding them that God said that he gave us this land. Don't fear those people. God is with us. Okay? God said that he gave you that promotion. God said he gave you that house. God said that he will get you out of that situation. So greater is he that is with you than those folks that are in the world. Amen? So you have to remember that God is with you. Alright? And so then he goes on to say in verse number 10, But all the congregation demanded to stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. So now it's getting hairy. All of a sudden now they've gone from, from murmuring against Moses. Now now they want to stone him to death. All right. Things are really getting bad here. Verse 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? 
And how long will it be before they believe me? For all the signs which I have shown among them. All right? And where it says there, how long will these people provoke me? You may have heard it, heard it referred to as, um, as in the days of provocation. And it's a, a theological term. Because in the days of provocation were those 40 years that they were in the desert. And they just constantly provoked the Lord. You know? And we many times, we don't think about that. When we are losing faith in what God is telling us to do. Or something that we're praying for. When we're losing faith, you know, when you're losing faith, you're provoking God because many times in your life, and I'm sure everyone sitting in this sanctuary can stop and think back when they were blessed by God, when something was made that was hard was made easier for you by God. And then when something new comes along, all of a sudden you start losing faith. You're provoking God. You see, and as it was in the days of provocation, as God said here, um, um, how long will this people provoke me? How long will it be before they believe me for all the signs which I have shown unto them? You see, so here they're expressing tremendous disbelief, and because of that disbelief, it can cause more problems. Verse number 12, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them. Please underline disinherit them. And will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. Um, just to pause from a disinherit them at the risk of, of uh, waxing political which I'm not we wonder why things are happening in the nation we wonder why things are going on and we forget that God is still, God is still in charge um, it is also simple to me and anyone that reads scripture would also be very simple to, to understand the signs of the times are there because we as a nation are slowly pushing God out of the conversation. And the Bible speaks quite clearly about that. Um, you know, you can't do this in school, taking books off the shelf. You know, the political cor- correct police have stepped in so that, you know, we Christians are, have such a hard time to really, really be strong in the Lord. Uh, we need to be careful as, as a nation because when you provoke God and you do things that are not in line with God's word, God can, if you will, in a way disinherit you. And we're going to read, read on more. And I see that happening very, very much today. Um, the more we try to get God out of the conversation, realizing or forgetting that the founding fathers of this country built this nation on godly terms. And you heard me say before, those of you who have been to Washington, D.C. and have looked at those monuments that are there, I mean, all of those monuments, the major monuments, have nothing but scripture written all over them inside and, and all of those various memorials you know and you read through some of the personal writings of some of the founding fathers Ben Franklin and then some of the others you see God is referenced quite a bit there but we over the last though, decade or so have begun pushing God out of the conversation and as if you continue doing that you're living in a very different difficult place in a very dangerous place uh, my, pray, my prayer is constantly and I pray that many other Christians are doing the same is that God will watch over over his children to keep us safe from harm and seen and unseen and that we can do those things that are prescribed by man to voice our opinions such as voting and things like that and I'm not saying who you should be voting for I'm not going there but I'm just saying that we should at least exercise that right as Christians you know don't be so Christian that you think that this is this is beneath me to be to be voting that is pure foolishness um, God would want us to cast our voice okay and we need a strong voice in this nation uh, based on what's going on but it says that again in 12 again I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them and I will make of thee uh, make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they and Moses said unto the Lord then the uh, Lord then the Egyptians shall hear hear it for thou brought us up out, out 
of this people in thy might from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land, for they have heard that thou, Lord, art among this people, that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that uh, thy cloud uh, standeth over them, and that thou uh, goest before them by daytime in a pillar of a cloud and a pillar of fire by night. Now if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the, the name, the fame of thee, will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land, which he swore to give unto them therefore he has slain them in the wilderness and now I beseech thee let the power of my Lord be great according as thou hast spoken saying the Lord is long suffering and of great mercy forgiving iniquity and transgression and by no means clearing the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation pardon I beseech thee the iniquity of this people according unto the greatness of thy mercy and as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. So what he is saying is Moses is pleading for the the people. God is saying because of their unbelief and their their, their, uh, provoking me so much, I'm going to disinherit them and just let them be slaughtered. And what Moses is saying, Lord, if you do that though, the word will spread around that you are no longer with us. You are no longer with these people. And then the nations that are around us will say, you see, their God could not deliver them. Their God could not do what he said they were going to do. And that would be a bad thing and it would tarnish your name. So Moses is trying, Moses is trying to appeal to God in that way, in that way. Verse number 20 says, and the Lord said, I have part Pardoned according to thy word. So God is saying, I am pardoned based on what you said. I have pardoned according to thy word. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men who have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have put me to the test, now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely, surely they shall not see the land which I swore to give unto the fathers. Neither shall any of them uh, that provoke me see it. So now he's saying that all of those folks that are provoking me are disbelieving. They're not going to see the promised land. Okay? But my servant Caleb... Because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land wherewith, whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwelt in the valley. Tomorrow turn you, and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all who are numbered of you, according to your whole numbers, from twenty years old and upward, who have murmured against me, doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swore to make you dwell therein, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, whom you said should, would, should be prey, them will I bring up, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall to this wilderness. And your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years, and bear your holotries until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of days, is what I was saying before, after the number of days in which you search the land, even forty days, okay, after the number of days in which you search 
the land, even forty days, each day for a year, shall you bear your iniquity, even forty years, and you shall know my breach of promise. And you, and you shall know my breach of promise. That's what I was talking about. For the forty days that they went up to spare the, to, to, to spy the land, and for all that they did, coming back with the evil reports and, and not trusting God. God said, because of that, remember he said that I'm going to disinherit you? God said, because of those actions, each, of the, each day, those 40 days you spent spying out the land and you came back, you didn't have faith in me, you didn't trust in me, for each day you shall wander. One year. Okay? And that's why they wandered 40 years. Okay? That's why they wandered 40 years. Okay? 40 days, God said, go spy out the land, the land that I've given to you. God said, I gave you this house. I gave you this job. I gave you this promotion. I, I've taken care of that situation. I freed you up from the, from the turmoil that you're going through. And then you, you turn around, but I can't possess it. I can't possess the house. I can't possess the job. I won't succeed at the promotion. The situation that I'm in with these crazy family members or whatever it might be, it's just going to get worse. And you're not trusting in God. God, with all of his patience and everything, God says, well, okay, this person is just not believing me. He or she is not doing his job. Remember, your job is to remember and believe that God can do his job. And because of the faith, God can disinherit you. You see? Now, now that does not mean that God is in you, whether or not you will get to heaven. You know, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as, salvation, uh, as Lord and Savior, you have salvation. God does not retract and take back salvation. But your life while on this earth can certainly be less, um, less enjoyable as God would have, you, have it to be for you because you're simply not believing Him and you're not trusting Him. Okay? All right? And so this is the reason that they wandered for 40 years. It goes on to say, I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do unto all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me in this wilderness they shall be consumed and there they shall die it's interesting also that he said there that, uh, um, that the younger children um, that the other the younger ones but your little ones verse 31 whom ye whom ye said should be a prey them will I bring in and they shall know the land which ye have despised you see God has a special place in his heart for children God has a very special place in his heart for children. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Meaning suffer, meaning to allow, allow them to come unto me. But all of those that voice their unbelief, God has a, has a problem with. And the men, verse 36, whom Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land, land, even those men who did bring up the evil report upon the land, died by the plague before the Lord. Yeah? All those men that came back with all of the negative confessions died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were of the men who went to the search the land, lived still. And Moses told these sayings uh, unto all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. And they rose up early in the morning and went up into the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we are here, and will go up into the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? But it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you. That you not be smitten before your enemies. You see, here they go again, as usual. Now that all this has happened, now all of a sudden they want to go up to the Lord and, and start, our, um, 
you know, trying to change their heart. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you are turned away from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up into the hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekites came down, and the, and the Canaanites who dwelt in that hill, and smote them, and routed them, even unto Hormah. You see? So now we see what can happen if we uh, uh, really start having disbelief and faith in God. And then all of a sudden deciding to do, do things our way. God told them where to go. Say, go down by way of the Red Sea. But they would not go that way. They decided, well, no, we are going to go. We're going to, we're going to storm God, so to speak. We're going to go up there. We're going to change his mind. We're going to really, you know, let him see that we mean, we mean business. This time we mean business. And Moses, don't go up there. Because God is not going to be up there with you. The Amalekites and so on, those folks are up there. Okay? So then on their own. This is the danger of us doing things, saints of God, on our own. Without God's direction, without God's instruction. You know? So many times we think that we have a better way of solving a problem. You know, so many times I know in my career, both the secular career and, and, and so forth, that, that um, you know, you, you think that you have the answer. You know, oh, well, I'm going to, like, again, like I said, I'm going to fire back an email or I'm going to think of who I know that I can call up on the phone to solve this problem. You, you know, so-and-so is a big muckety-muck. Let me get him involved and he will get me the answers that I need instead of doing what God is telling me to do. You see, and when you do that, you can reap destruction upon yourself because God's way of doing business is not the way the world does business. We see that at case in point with um, David and Goliath. When David was uh, the only one in Israel who was bold enough to go up and fight Goliath. And uh, Saul, King Saul said, okay, well, if you're going to go fight him, take my armor. Take my armor. Take my armor and put it on to go up and fight this giant warrior. And the Bible says that David put on the armor, but he was not a soldier. He was a shepherd boy. When he put on the armor, he couldn't walk, and it did not feel right with him, and he could not perform in that armor. David said, no, I will not use this. I will use the weapons that God gave me. And he talked about his staff and, you know, about the five smooth stones. So relating that to our world today, that's like us trying to solve a problem with the world's armor being Saul's. And we, as children of God, we do not take worldly ways to solve a problem. We take the, word, we take the way to solve a problem that God tells us to do. In this particular case with David, it was five smooth stones, five, five being the number of grace, of which he only chose one, and that one stone was enough that found the mark in the, in, the, in the center of Goliath's forehead and you know the rest of the story amen so we cannot go through this life children of God trying to first of all do thing, doing things your way and if God lays in your heart that there's something that he wants you to do you have to be super super sure that you do it exactly the way God wants you to do it many of us have many of us here have been there relative to things in our lives you know be it with careers or, or, or house building or homemaking or anything else that might be going on where you know in your spirit you know in, in your gut so to speak that this is what God would have me to do and you respond to that and I know that to be a fact with many of you and you responded to what God was telling you to do and because of that you were greatly blessed greatly blessed you need to continue to do so continue and I especially say that to, to uh, Christians that have young children today that you need to make sure that you're raising them in the fear and admonition of the Lord because we're living in dangerous times so when you feel that God is telling you to do something don't be intimidated by those might be, that might be around you um, sometimes those that would try 
try to intimidate you or discourage you will be people that are very close to you. You know, again, using David and Goliath as an example there, um, when David said that he would go forth and fight, and he went out, excuse me, he went out to the camp, um, what happened? His own brothers were those that said, you, you're nothing but a shepherd boy. You can't go out there and stand up against Goliath. His brothers were the ones that were doing the discouraging. So all I'm just saying to you is that as you go forth in life and as things, God is telling you to do things, you know, do not be discouraged by anything that anyone tells you. If you know this is God telling you to do something and you know what the word of God says to do, you don't want to provoke him. You don't want to lose faith in God. Just have faith in knowing that your job is to know that God and believe that that God can do his job, and I guarantee you that you'll be all, you will be all right. Amen? Amen? I pray this message has been a blessing to you. Think on it, chew on it, meditate on it. And now, before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings. Amen.